Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Now, the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter on 1010XL. Presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics. Live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill. Here are your hosts, Ryan the Hacker Green and Leon Searcy. Shotgun for Trevor Lawrence. It's a blitz. I mean, it is an all-out blitz. Trevor fires left side. That ball is going to be caught for the touchdown by Evan Ingram in the left corner of the end zone. Are you kidding me? The Jags have extended the lead. Frank Frangie on the call, Jaguars radio, and for the first time in 3,318 days, November 10th, 2013, was the last time the Jaguars went into Nashville and won a football game. That is until today. Jacksonville 36, Tennessee 22, as the losing streak in Nashville has come to an end. It is the window world of Northeast Florida. Fifth quarter, we're brought to you by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics. Of course, we are live. Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill on Edgewood as we are for every fifth quarter with the head coach Dave Campo and the pro bowler Leon Searcy. And Leon, what a win today for the Jacksonville Jaguars as, again, for the first time in over nine years, they go into Nashville and leave with a W. Hack, I'm going to tell you something. That, that, that was a butt kicking. That was a butt kicking from start to finish. And I'm a little jealous, I'm going to be honest with you, because I played the Tennessee Titans, and I didn't, I've never dismount, dis, dismantled the Tennessee Titans the way that Jaguar team did a couple of hours ago. That was, a, that was a physical ball game. We talked about going into the week. We said, can the Jaguars be a physical ball game? Can they not play the way they played last week against Detroit? Could they answer the bell with the next five games? And that's yes, yes, and yes. Offensively, defensively, and special teams. They took one from us, the special teams. Why Agnew, that touchdown for that kickoff return, was absolutely a touchdown. They took it away for us. But outstanding job by the coaching staff and all the players going on the road in a big game. I'm going to say a meaningful game. I'm going to say a meaningful game in December. And to play the way they play and to answer the bell after that poor performance last week has to go off to – Doug Peterson and his coaching staff and the players in Jacksonville. Hey, there's no doubt about it. The postseason hopes are still alive. Four weeks to go in the regular season. Head coach Dave Campo here with us. All right, coach. Trevor Lawrence, 30 of 42, 368 yards, three touchdowns. He also added a touchdown on the ground. Trevor Lawrence was phenomenal today in Nashville for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, you know he's been he's been uh, gaining uh, steam here for about four ball games. You know he, he, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for. You saw today a generational guy uh, coming alive. Uh, you know, and especially with no running game. You know, when a quarterback can step out there and mm-hmm. do what he did today with no running game, you got to credit the offensive line because they kept them pretty clean. I think they had one hit on him in the whole ball game. And then uh, for him to be able to do some of the things he did today with the back shoulder throws and some of the – it looks like he knows when to get out of the pocket, uh, to avoid guys in the pocket. Uh, That's the things that he's learning and he's getting better at. Coach, it was almost like Trevor Lawrence because we couldn't run the ball effectively. It was almost like Trevor Lawrence saying to to the team, "Put put this on my shoulders. 
I'm going to do whatever necessarily needs to be done to win this football game. The back shoulder throws, the in coverage throws, the, the touch in the end zone, all those passes. It was almost like Trevor's like, okay, we can't run the ball. Give me the ball. Put the ball in my hands. Let me take you to the promise. Well, there's no question about the fact that, that you know, uh, even – you know, I was a little concerned going into the fourth quarter about not being able to run the ball because, mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about time. Yep. You know, people can score pretty quick in that league, especially when you go no huddle. And they actually did take one down and put one in off the no huddle. Mm -hmm. I was a little worried about that. But, you know, there was so much – he had so much confidence going today that they put the ball in his hands. Doug put it in his hands on the boots and some of the things that they did at the end to keep the drive going when they weren't running the football. So, you know, I've got to give their coaching staff, like you said, a lot of credit. Mm -hmm. But that kid is is uh, is coming alive all, uh, right now in front of our eyes. I want to go back to something Leon said. Mm -hmm. We were here seven days ago after the Detroit game, and that was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. The defense was embarrassing. The offense was embarrassing. The coaching staff was embarrassing. It was all bad. Trevor Lawrence used the term laid down, embarrassed. We got our A's kicked in the postgame seven days ago. For them to go back on the road into a place that this organization has not won in over nine years and to absolutely beat the crap out of the Tennessee Titans after what happened seven days ago, Leon, what does that say about where this team is? Well, I mean, listen, it says more about where, where Trevor is as far as his leadership role goes. Because I'm going to tell you something, the first thing I noticed last week in the presser with Trevor Lawrence is that he didn't throw anybody under the bus but he was like, he was talking to everybody. He said, this is an embarrassment. This is not who we are. I mean, this was the first time the Jaguars got exposed last week against the Detroit Lions. For the most part, they had been very competitive. I think Trevor Lawrence, uh, although he is a leader because he is, he's the quarterback, but I think somehow in practice or this, somehow this week, I, I think he just took charge and said, listen, we're not going to play like that anymore. I mean, we, we've, got to, we, we've got a good offense. We've got good play, play callers. We've got, we got receivers. We've got offensive line. We need to play to our potential. And, and we did for the most part in the game. Now, we still couldn't run the ball effectively, but I think Trevor took it upon himself to win this game with the throws and the passes that he made and our receivers caught the ball, which was key. Let me ask both you guys this. Coach, I'll begin with you. Something I love, all right? There's a video circulating of Trevor Lawrence recognizing all the Jaguar fans that made the trip to Nashville after the game, running around the stadium, giving them all high fives because they had all moved down to the bottom rows by that point. But even more than that, waving to the Titan fans goodbye when it was – see, you hear the reaction yeah. here at Perfect Rack Billiards. Yeah. Waving to the Titan fans to say goodbye. That's some moxie, man. That's some attitude. And, and nothing against quarterbacks that have been here in the past. Bortles had that. But Bortles, more times than not, was ineffective. Trevor has got that, too. When you put 368 on somebody and three touchdowns, and then you wave to their crowd, goodbye, I'll see you later, boy, that showed me a lot from Trevor Lawrence today. Well, I love the guy. I mean, you know, he's becoming a leader. He's, as Leon said just in the last comments about him calling everybody, kind of everybody out without mm -hmm. saying their name, that's a good leader. You know, you, you know, you got to be careful with, with, with the egos of, of NFL athletes. And, and he has that. He has that ability to do that. And for him to, to first of all, he understands the rivalry right away. And that's what you need from a, from a leader on this football team. Well, yeah, when you're well, a veteran like that and you see your quarterback do that, what, is that, what does that do for you? 
Well, I mean, it's encouraging, especially when you beat them the way you beat them. But you got to also understand this. Tennessee Titans fans were probably giving him the business on during the whole game. Oh, on sure. the sideline when he walked out on the field, the crowd noise. You know, the Tennessee Titans defense is probably talking mess to him. So to, to overcome all of that stuff and still come away with a victory, you got to give him a little wave. You That's the presidential wave, you know, like when you're in the limo. And you wave the hand like that, exactly. You know, you know. Along with that, uh, you know, when your when your guy stands up and says goodbye, guys, mm-hmm. that's putting some accountability on your own football team as yep. well. Yeah. You know, you got to back that up. You know, and it's not just him; it's everybody. And I think this team, I think we've kind of said all along that we felt this team had a little uh, locker room presence, and I think they do. <laughs> and I think that just brings it forward after, you know, the, the debacle last week to what they did this week. And you know what I think also, uh, and it happened to me when I played, the, when the game slows down for you, I think that, I think early on in the season we were talking about Trevor and the blitz and he couldn't make the accurate throws and all that kind of stuff. Now that same, that same Trevor is making those throws because they blitzed us. They four-man yeah. rushes, five-man rushes, blitzed us, six-man blitz or whatever. And he, he knew exactly where to throw the ball. The back shoulder stuff, the stuff in between, the, the, the coverage, the, the touch in the end zone, all that kind of stuff. I think, personally, the game is slowing down to Trevor. So he's seeing things a lot faster than maybe he saw early on this season. And I love what Doug Peterson did. I didn't realize this. They mentioned it on a television broadcast. I guess the web team for the Jaguars made a four- or five-minute web presentation to show to the players every time the Titans had referred to them at the Jaguars as the little brother over the last four, five, six years. Doug Peterson wasn't here for any of that. This was his first game against the Titans, but he understood what this rivalry meant, just a little added motivation, and clearly you saw that today. The Jaguars were unbelievably fired up to get the win. I've seen enough from Evan Ingram right now. He's a priority this offseason. you got to re-sign him. He's on a one-year deal. He was unstoppable. Today, I can't even begin to imagine when the last time a Jaguar tight end had 150-plus receiving yards. I'm not sure if it's ever happened. It probably has, but it's probably been a long, long time. Evan Ingram, 11 grabs for a buck 62 and two touchdowns today. Well, that's a lot of yardage, and especially for a tight end. And and if he could continue to do that, you know, he really has – had good ball games right along. He hasn't dropped very many passes. If you look over the course of the year, you know, and, and it showed a little clip of him at halftime, I believe, what he was doing, uh, you know, before the game, catching the little With tennis the balls and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, those are the kind of things. And I, I saw it in training camp. You know, when, he, when they had him over there, when the quarterbacks were warming up, mm-hmm. they were throwing to him because – He's working extra. That's what you talk about all the time, Leon, about, you know, the, 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 the enemy of great is good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to be great, you've got to do the little things, the extra things. And it looks like he's one of those guys that does that. Hey, Denmark, what's calling audible here? Because we're on the Evan Ingram topic every week here on the fifth quarter. We do give you an offensive player of the game. That offensive player of the game is brought to you by Universal Roof. Let's do it right now. The Universal Roof. Offensive player of the game. Universal Roof and Contracting presents the offensive player of the game. Universal Roof and Contracting. The difference is universal. Leon, he's seen enough out of Evan Ingram. And, and look, he bet on himself, right? A one-year deal. Yep. 
He could have gotten probably more years somewhere else, more money, maybe a little more money, but he wanted the prove-it deal. And man alive, I think he's, uh, he's winning that gamble right now. Well, listen, he might have played himself into a long-term deal. I'm telling you what, if I'm, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm his agent and I'm sitting at the table in front of the GM, I'm showing that tape of this game right here. I mean, he lit the Titans up. I'm talking about run, run after the catches, amazing catches in the back of the end zone. Uh, two scores, over 150 yards of, of receiving yards. Hey, uh, he's going to be a priority. Now, what do you do with him? Do you sign him to a long-term deal? We talked about this off the air. Do you franchise him? You don't want to let him hit the market because if he hits the market, he got $9 million this for this year. He's going to definitely ask for at least double that or, or, or more than that. He may be the Jaguars' biggest in-house priority. Dewan yeah. Smoot's also a free agent. I would think he's a pretty big priority, too. Uh, really quick, because phone lines are loaded. We're going to take a bunch of calls tonight. We're with you until 8 o'clock on a victory Sunday night here in Northeast Florida. Dave Campo, you are a defensive guy. We destroyed the defense. We being collectively fan-based media alike the entire week with good reason. They were awful last Sunday. Today, I looked like more of the same. Derrick Henry had 100 yards in the first quarter. Yet you look at it, at the end of the game, they forced four turnovers they got four sacks. Ryan Tannehill is probably in the ice tub right now because they knocked him around. <laughs> there is, they're pretty yeah. fired up out here at Perfect Rack Billiards. Your thoughts on the defensive performance today? Well, I think there's still concerns there, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, uh, they're, they're still uh, in situations where they're having trouble getting to the passer, even though they had the bunch of sacks today. There, there are times when they're, when they're nowhere near the guy. That one drive with the, in a two, you know, the no huddle. They still at the have end of the game. Issues. Yeah, I, I, it looked to me like a prevent. I'm like, why are yeah. you doing that? Yeah, but I'm just talking about rushing the pass yeah. alone. But uh, they still make some mistakes. But again, you know, it, I, they played hard today. That's to me, and they had some. You know, they turned the ball over. That's what you have to do to win in this league. And hey, look, Dewey Wingard with the interception. Trayvon Walker. The blind side hit on Tannehill, forcing the fumble. I mean, Leon, if we're going to crush them one week, you got to talk about their good play the next week. And they were very, very – okay, they were a lot better than they were last week. I won't say they yeah. were very good, but they were certainly they a were lot, lot better. better than they were last they were, week. They were a lot better last week. And, listen, we had Blaine Bishop on the show last, uh, last week to talk about the Titans, and he warned us, and he foreshadowed the fact that the left side of the offensive line of the Tennessee Titans was terrible. And I said, now, if, with our pass rush – if we can't even get any pressure on that left side, then we don't need to be rushing. And we did. Most of our pressures, if you watch them, came from the left side of the offensive line. Ran twists, stunts. All they got, uh, Arden Keys got one. Trevor, uh, Trayvon Walker got one. Fadakasi got, got, got here. He hadn't had a sack in two years. Yeah. And he got a sack. So even Josh Allen got one. So it was just good to see that team play with energy. I mean, that's what they were lacking last week against Tra- energy and enthusiasm. Uh, toughness, being physical. All the, see, I, I had said last week that I was concerned about them going to Tennessee because Tennessee owed our number for so long that when Tennessee looks at the schedule and they see Jacksonville, they usually check mark at home. That's a check mark win. So it was very refreshing to see the Jaguars come out, answer the bell, beat them in toughness, beat them in turnovers, and beat them in touchdowns. And I think that's the difference. I mean, you know, this team still has its uh, – warts on defense but Mm -hmm. the one thing they did today is exactly what was just said they were physical Mm -hmm. and they they chased the football even uh quarterman 
causing that fumble. You know, he wasn't in the right spot, but he ran his butt over there and he put a, a he he smoked. Uh, he put a lick on Derrick. Yeah, yeah he, he, did. he smoked Henry. So, he you know, they've, they've got a ways to go. Uh, they're going to have to do some things in the offseason over there, especially on the back end with the cover guys. And, you know, that's the concern going forward for me defensively is the fact that they don't have cover corners, you know. And I thought Campbell did a nice job today. That's the first time I've seen him turn properly and get up and knock balls down, you know, and, mm-hmm. and see the ball, you hey, know, which is, which is good. Leon, we got 30 seconds here quickly. I thought Tennessee dominated the physicality in the first quarter. The rest of the game, it was clearly Jacksonville. How does something like that happen in the middle of a game? How can one team be way more physical, and then all of a sudden, a quarter later, it's the exact opposite? Well, I mean – you just, you just got to call each other out. If, you, if you're not getting it done, if you have a purpose coming into the game and then you don't, you don't answer the bell, then you have to do some soul searching on the sideline, talk to each other about, hey, this guy's running over us. We got to do a better job tackling, getting to the ball, swarming to the ball, that kind of stuff. And then for the most part, after he made that big 50-yard run in the game, I think Jacksonville did a better job getting after Derrick Henry. He is Leon Searcy. That's head coach Dave Campo. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. Perfect Rack Billiards on Edgewood and Murray Hill is our location. We're out here till 8 o'clock Jacksonville in a victory Sunday evening in Northeast Florida. The Jaguars, a 36-22 winner over the Tennessee Titans. Your phone calls next. Who do we have on the line? We got Junior, Jonathan, Mike, all you guys. Hang in there. You'll be up on the other side as the fifth quarter, live from Perfect Rack Billiards, rolls on here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter, live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill, presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Dropping out of a shotgun, they throw it quickly, picked off by Dewey, running it back to the 45-yard line, intercepted by Andrew Wingard, and boy, is that a big play. He runs it back to the 46 of Jacksonville. Leon seriously can attest. That's my guy. Here's your guy. You picked him. Way I said, in training camp. I said Leon up. four years ago. I don't you know did. who 42 is. That's my guy. And I have battled I, I, the good fight f- talking about Andrew Wingard uh, for four years. I think it's the flowing locks is the reason why. It might be the flowing locks. But yeah. I have I – have, protected that guy PR-wise at 1010XL World Headquarters. I have battled for him, Matt Hayes, uh, and a lot of people were, a lot, were anti-Dewey Wingard, but I have battled, and it is an emotional moment for me today because every week here on the fifth quarter, we give you a defensive player of the game. Oh, say it ain't so. It is brought to you by Superior Fence and Rail and Denmark. This is big. Let's do it. The Superior Fence and Rail defensive player of the game. Jacksonville's building a fence along the goal line. This is the Superior Fence and Rail defensive player of the game. Superior Fence and Rail, where quality matters. Leon Searcy, seven tackles, including a huge interception. He actually left the game injured and came back. He did. He, Willis Andrew Winger yeah. is this week's defensive player that's of the your, game. That's your guy. Listen to the reaction for Dewey in there. Dewey! Dewey, yeah, listen. I give you a hard time about Dewey, all right, because most of the time uh, he's out of position. He can't cover. He's a small (laughs) guy. But today, interceptions, seven tackles around the ball. You got to take your hat off to Dewey. He got it done today. Got it done. Coach, I mean, look, three different head coaches have been here. 
All right, say what you will about Doug Marone, Urban Meyer, obviously, and now Doug Peterson. Wingard keeps making the roster, right? They don't have to keep him. He's made the roster for three different coaching staffs. Obviously, NFL people see something they like about Andrew Wingard. He steps in for an injured Andre Sisco today. Thought he played wonderfully. Well, first of all, there's something to be said. You know, not every player, you know, is Jamar Chase or, uh, I don't know, you name these, these top guys, Donald. Yeah, uh, Micah Parsons. Yeah, Micah Parsons. There's something to be said for a smart, tough guy that plays special teams and, and is a guy that seems to be around the football. You know, he's had some interceptions now, you know, in the last couple of years since I've been back. It's his fourth one of his career today. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, the one today, he just happened to be in the right spot. The, the receiver ran the wrong route, and uh, he threw it right to him. You know how you know what, he though? caught it. You're exactly right. How many times have we seen a Jaguar in position that they don't catch the ball, right, Correct. a defensive player? Correct, yeah. and he almost dropped it. He it did. bounced up in the air, but he caught it, you know. But he is a he's a guy that makes some plays, and that's – you know, those guys have, have always got a spot on the team. You know, you just can't have too many of those guys because, number one, he can't really cover. You know, he's not a man-to-man guy. He's a guy that's going to be a special teams player and a zone player and smart, can come off the bench. It's not going to, you know, screw up a bunch of stuff. Six four one ten ten is the phone number. Phone lines are loaded here on the fifth quarter. The Jaguars are winners up in Nashville, 36-22 over the Tennessee Titans. Let's go to the west side to kick it off here on the fifth quarter. Let's get Scott on 1010XL. Scott, go ahead. Scott, are you there? Going once. Yeah, I'm here. Go, all right, Scott, what's on your mind? Hey, man, y'all talk about some in-house decisions next year. How about Dewey? What do y'all think about him? I think he's a defensive player of the game. I think he was outstanding today. And I hope he's a Jaguar for life. That's what I think of Dewey Wingard. Hey, and I thought he was going to be out for the whole entire game whenever he was down with that shoulder injury. And he came back like a boss, fought through it, and like you said, he's the player of the game, Bubba. How about it? Scott, appreciate the phone call, man. Thank you very much. And look, Leon, there's something to be said for that. I mean, you look like a shoulder stinger, right? We always yeah. hear about those. Yeah. Look, I'm a guy that watches the game on the couch. I'm sure you've had a couple of those in your day. Yeah. How tough is that to shake out the cobwebs and get back right in the game? Well, listen, with all the adrenaline going on right now, um, you figure you'll deal with that later, all right? You got a ball game. You're trying to help your team. You're trying to – any capacity that you can help your team, you want to be out there. So, I mean, it has to go out to do it because he could have came out there. He could have took it, took it light. So on the sideline, but he played in the game. He's going he's gonna to be hurting tonight, though. That shoulder's going to be hurting. It's going to be pulsating tonight. He's going to need some treatment on Monday. But, but for right now, coming back out there, Dewey's always been tough. Yeah, I, I was talking about this earlier in the week, that we got a bunch of guys on our team. We, we got to have a bunch of guys overachieve. I think the talent pool in Jacksonville is okay, but we, you've got to play above your talent if you want to come away with victories like we did today. Coach, what about the two rookies? Trayvon Walker had the forced fumble, was dynamic uh, on that play, and, and had a couple other opportunities, was a force out there. Devin Lloyd was benched for Chad Muma. Chad Muma has the ankle. Devin Lloyd gets back in there. I thought Devin Lloyd was around the ball today a lot. How do you feel the two rookies played? Well, first of all, I thought Trayvon had an excellent ball game. I mean, you know, he made some plays in the running game, and he also, uh, you know, he, was, uh, he jumped up in the air when they, he came inside on that one rush that, I, that uh, Key got the sack. 
but he ended up on it. At, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why he didn't get a half a sack on that because he jumped up, quarterback held the ball, started to move up, key made the hit, and then he ended up on the tackle. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought he played well. Uh, 33 is still a work in progress. Uh, Lloyd has got, you know, you know they're doing a lot of zone stuff. Uh, they, they changed up some stuff today. He's, he's got a ways to go, but I have confidence in him because he's another one of those smart athletes that eventually will, will be a good player for us in the future. Now, Coach, let me ask you a question when it comes to David Law. Is he the type of player who may be trying to overcompensate for the fact that he may not get, have the defense in grasp right now, not fully understand the defense, that he feels that athletically he can just make up for that? Yeah, all I know is that when, when we saw him earlier in the year when they weren't doing a lot of different stuff, mm-hmm. you know, when they were just playing man coverage, he, he was showing up yeah. because, you know, it was easy. He had no training camp. He came in, he played pretty darn good in the first three, ball, three or four ball games. Mm-hmm. Now that they're doing a bunch of stuff, the, the lack of training camp is showing up, in my opinion, and yeah. being a rookie. You know, Mooma came in, did a nice job before he got hurt. But Mooma made some mistakes, too. These are rookie guys in there, and, and you have to be really disciplined at that position. When you're playing stuff that you're passing guys off, mm-hmm. and then you're, you're having to read keys and end up in the right gap all the time, mm-hmm. that's not easy. To get a rookie to, to do that is hard. Six four one ten ten is the phone number. Let's go to Buffalo. I imagine a very happy Junior in Buffalo tonight here on 1010XL. Junior, how we doing? Duval! <laughs> Victory Sunday, baby. Victory Sunday. I'm, I got, I'm, never, I'm not a man who, who, who like I, when I admit that I'm wrong. And last week, I, you heard me last week, I was so upset. So they, they came and fought today. And that's any, what any Jaguar fan wants to see our team is the way they fight back. They were up against it in the first quarter right in the corner, and they fought their way out of that corner and gave some terrific blows back to the Titans. What a game. I haven't seen a game like that against the Titans in a very long time, and it's awesome to see that, that they had that fight. They can continue this fight through the rest of the season for the next four games. That's all we ask for. i got to give my hats off to a lot of these guys. They played fantastic. They played, they played with that desire that they, we want to see them play with. And, Trevor, you got to admit, at the last play of the game when that linebacker came and hit him, Came of the, of, the, of the kneel down, he got right in his face. That's, that's my quarterback. He got up there, and, he, and they had to pull him away from that guy. He wasn't taking any crap from nobody. This is a great Sunday. I just want this momentum to go for the rest of four games. I'm psyched. I'll talk to you guys next week. Junior, appreciate the phone call. Zay Jones, kind of mm-hmm. like the defense last week. Zay Jones had a bad week last week, three drops. Mm-hmm. He had a couple of big drops in the first quarter today, and you're thinking, oh, no, what is going on with Zay Jones? Zay Jones was outstanding in the second half today. Actually, at the end of the first half, he had that tip catch uh, that was awesome, which I guarantee you we're going to hear that play later here on the fifth quarter. But how about Zay Jones' performance? Well, I mean, he played well. And this presser, when he was talking to the media all week long, you know, he was saying that wasn't him. You know what? It's one thing to just have a lip service about, you know, what you're going to do next week and then and go out and perform. And he talked about the drops last week, and then he talked about he was going to redeem himself, and he did. And that, that's the thing that's most impressive. Not only Zay Jones, but this whole team. When this team talked about how embarrassed they were and that wasn't us, it's just, it's just lip service unless you go out there and do something about it. And the Jaguar team did something about it. So that lets you know that there was a point of emphasis in practice to get back to what they do best, 
play calling, executing, toughness, physical. So that lets me know they had a good week of practice. Everybody held themselves accountable, and they got the game won, won today. Coach, you brought up something that I was thinking about earlier as well. You mentioned Trevor and what he did today. Again, 368 through the air, three touchdowns, also added a touchdown on the ground. He did all that without anything resembling a good running game. The Jaguars ran the ball 25 times for 60 yards. Trevor or Travis Etienne was the leading ball carrier, 17 carries for 32. Let me do my Wolfson high school math on that. That's less than two carries or two yards a carry. Yet despite no running game whatsoever, and the Titans know you're going to throw it basically every play, Trevor picked them apart. Yeah, and that, and that's why I see him coming on uh, strong. And I think one of the things that, you know, we were a little tough last week on Trevor, but during our conversations last week, if we didn't have the drops that we had in that game, he would have been over 60%. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, this guy has been coming on for, for, you know, doing the little things for the last four or five ball games. He, listen, that guy's got a chance to be something special. And I'm, I'm fired up. And then when we talk about all this stuff with the leadership and giving the, the bird to the fans, he didn't actually do that, but he waved to him. And, you know, it's just it, – it, it's really uh, positive what he's doing. When you think of 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions his rookie year, you now look at his career stats, 32 touchdowns, 23 interceptions for his entire career. It is a gigantic difference from where he was 12 months ago to where he is now. Let's go to Savannah, Georgia. Let's get Kevin in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. Kevin, go ahead. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, wonderful game. I think it's time to put an end to we got to run the ball. When you have Trevor Lawrence and the receiving core that we have, the way they're catching the ball, they made some absolutely fantastic catches today. He had a great game, but there were some really good catches in tight spots. But I'm tired of the, the mantra of we got to run the ball. No, we don't. With, with Tom Brady, they threw the ball all the time and they ran the ball when they had to. Now, teams are going to start seeing how we're throwing the ball, and then it's going to open up the run. But you take what the defense is giving you. You can't just say we need to run the ball. No, you don't. You take what's there. They're taking what's there. Trevor's showing he can do it. Receivers are showing they can do it. And we, we need to throw the ball first, be a throw first team, and then run the ball second. Thank you, guys. Kevin, appreciate the phone call. Leon, what about that? Well, I mean, you can throw the, the open up the, the opportunities to, to run the ball effectively. But uh, as an offensive lineman, the last thing you want to be doing is pass setting 50, 60 times a game. All right. You got to have some kind of balance or I mean, you got to have some kind of balance because you, you, you listen, the, the Tennessee Titans secretary is terrible. OK, they're terrible. And they, they were minus a couple they, of guys. They were to minus, so so they, they were depleted as far as the secondary goes. Uh, so we, we took full advantage of that. But, no, moving forward, you, you got, you've, got, you've got a bona fide stud back there in Travis ATM. We didn't do a good job interiorly run blocking the ball. So moving, these games moving forward, you don't want to be one-dimensional. You want to have some kind of balance effectively, you know, when you're playing in the game. When you, when you look at that game, the gentleman that just called, the one thing he said that's correct, you've got to do, you do what they're giving you. If you're having a problem with one thing, that's the great thing about it. The kid did it without the running game. But if you really go back and watch that game, watch how many straight dropbacks there were 
in comparison to the play action. It was 80% play action. Mm -hmm. And they had to run the ball some in order to have that. That, that has to be in the defensive lineman's mind that you're going to run the football. Mm -hmm. It has to be, or else these guys, especially that group we had today, they'll tee off on you if you know, if, if you know for sure that they're going to throw the ball. Oh, I know. I totally agree. And you got to give the defense some reason, like you said, to believe a run might come because play action then opens it up. I do agree with what Kevin said, though. The more you throw, the more success you have, the more then Travis Etienne might have some running lanes. Correct. Because yeah. you're going to have more DBs in the game because you yep. fear that passing attack. Let's go to Jonathan here from the state of Alabama on the fifth quarter. Jonathan, go ahead. And I got one thing to say to you. Duval! <laughs> Yeah. Trevor Trevor played great today. Uh, I I thought uh the defense played well too, um, at times. Um and uh Patterson did well kicking the ball. Uh everything was great today, including that interception by I believe I believe that was your guy hacker, right? That had that pick. Oh, that was my guy Dewey, Jonathan. I was fired up. <laughs> yeah. Defense played well, like I said, and getting those four turnovers really helped us, and I think that really gave us some momentum. Hey, Jonathan, appreciate the phone call, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, the Jaguars win today. I'm going to say this one time tonight, and I'll probably say it one time tomorrow on Monday Night Coaching with Campo, and then I'll leave it at that. Um, if, if. The Jaguars beat the 10-3 and three Dallas Cowboys next win, week. Win. Okay, win, if. And Tennessee goes to Los Angeles to play the Chargers next week. By the way, Tennessee still has to play Dallas, too. Look, Jacksonville has to win out. More than likely, Jacksonville has to win out. But it's doable. Tennessee, is Tennessee going to go to L.A. and beat the Chargers? Are they going to beat Dallas? Are they going to beat the Chargers and Dallas? They need to lose one of them. If they lose one of them, the Jaguars control their destiny. Now, that all could very well end next Sunday when Dallas comes in here. But isn't it refreshing that here we sit on the 11th day of December and the Jaguars are still in it? When is the last time? I can tell you the last time. It was 2017. That on the 11th day of December, Leon, we're still at least having the conversation the Jaguars are in it. They're two games out of the division, two games out of the wild card, too. The Jets lost today. You see the Jets' schedule? They still have to go to Miami. They have to go to Seattle. The Jaguars have to go there. So the Jaguars absolutely have to win that game too. But on December 11th, there's at least conversation about a postseason, which is nice because we haven't had that in five years. Ah, yeah, I agree. I mean, so if, if this was a – what's that song? Was a partridge in a pear tree? That's the <laughs> yeah. So on the, what was on the fourth day of Christmas? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no it doesn't – it's <laughs> not going to take that much. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. No, no, I'm giving us hope. Oh, right, on okay, yeah. On the fourth day of Christmas, what was it? I don't remember. I know five golden rings. What was the fourth? Five, four, uh, five golden Come on. Four French – is it French hens? Four French hens. Yeah. That's where we at, all right? Four or three, three French hens. Three turtle doves. Three yeah. turtle doves, yeah. <laughs> so by the time we get to the Titans and Padres in the pear trees, what'd you say? Hey, man, <laughs> I, I just I, – look, we'll talk about the Dallas game. That'll be a very tall order, obviously. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you this. That's going to be one of the most talked about games this week, the way Trevor's playing yes. with America's team coming in here. There's going to be a lot of people watching Dallas and Jacksonville. Listen, I, I, listen, I said this on the primetime show last week, or I, I, I think I said it on the primetime show. I don't know. But I, I talked to uh, 
one of the coaches uh, back in Dallas uh, a week ago. Oh, no, excuse me. It was a, a media guy from Dallas. Uh, and I said to him, he wrote an article about how uh, they played the Jag, you know, the lowly Jaguars and, and the lowly Tennessee Titan, uh, the uh, Texans. Texans yeah. And I, I sent him a text and I said, I said, look, I said, the, the, the Jaguars are starting to be somebody that thinks that they're going to be pretty good. They may be an average team, but if Dallas reads their press clippings too much, that could be an ugly day. And I've seen the Cowboys do that in the past. They almost did it today with the Texans. Yeah, I'm very so, happy Dallas came back to win today. Yeah, I believe, honestly, and I've said that I thought every game was going to be close all the way through the year, all the way through the year. The Detroit game was just out of nowhere. But I believe that, the, that the, our team, the Jaguars, can beat every team that they're playing on the rest of the schedule, but they can't beat them all. Right. No. I don't know that they can win the last four. But they're going to win another game or two in the next four weeks, I believe. You that. absolutely so, have to beat the Jets. You absolutely have to beat the Titans. You absolutely have to beat the Texans. If there were to be a game you could potentially lose, it would be Dallas. But even at that point, it's probably curtains on the postseason. But that's for seven days from now. Trevor Lawrence, keep rolling, That's baby. right. Keep there you rolling. Go. That's right. More of your phone calls to come. 641-1010 is the phone number. Perfect Rack Billiards is our location on Edgewood and Murray Hill. We're out here at 8 o'clock. Come on out. This is our home for the fifth quarter. Delicious food, televisions everywhere, a full bar. We love it out here. Perfect Rack Billiards on Edgewood in Murray Hill with Leon Searcy and Dave Campo. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Your phone calls next here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Putting an extra 60 minutes on the clock. The window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. Live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill. Presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Trevor drops. Pump fake. Fires toward the goal line. That ball is going to be... No signal. Now they call it an incomplete pass. Whoa. Zay Jones caught it, but they say he's out of bounds. Did he not get a foot down? When the receiver got possession of the ball, he did get both feet in bounds. It is a touchdown. Frank Frangie on the call. Jaguars radio. Boy, what a play by Zay Jones. What a play Zay Jones made there. The concentration, that ball being tipped, Leon, and Zay yeah. Jones still being able to come down with it. Yeah, I, I thought it was out of bounds. I ain't going to lie. I mean, until they showed it up close, I didn't see any. I, I saw it on the on the on the white, but apparently, uh, great concentration to, to catch that ball, which could have been an interception. Went through the defender's hand, had the where, whereabouts to catch the ball, keep his both his feet in. Outstanding play. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a play of the game. That play of the game is brought to you by our friends at Performance Painting, Denmark. Let's do it now. The Performance Painting play of the game. Now, the performance painting, high-performance play of the game. Performance painting, prepare, protect, preserve. Coach, where this game was won is something you've harped on for a while, and we see it more and more in the NFL now. You get a touchdown to end the first half. You get a touchdown to begin the second half. The Jaguars scored with 11 seconds to go. Zay Jones, they get the ball first right out of the third quarter. They go seven minutes, 72 yards in 12 plays, put another touchdown in. Those 14 points ended the game. The game was over at that point. Yeah, and to be honest with you, the drive, you know, which sometimes has hurt us, 
they've done that pretty regularly at the start of the second half. So when you have a chance to double dip, that's a, a real plus. And that really helped us today when we couldn't run the ball, Leon, mm -hmm. right? Because, yep. because it took a lot of the clock off on the, on the drive. They made plays. They overcame a, a holding penalty, mm -hmm. I believe, on that drive. Which wasn't a holding penalty. Oh, well, oh right. Yeah, right. a holding penalty. Well, yeah. well, you know what, though? To the point, uh, the holding penalty on the kickoff, what kind of resolve does that show from a team? You get an opening kickoff return for touchdown called back to a holding penalty that they thought was bogus on the sideline. And yet the offense goes out there, no problem. Twelve plays, seventy-two yards, seven minutes touchdown. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a, a credit to them. And you know I'm a big proponent that the points before the half, a lot of times I'm going to say uh, much more than fifty percent. Those points are the are the final of the ball game on the tight ball games. Now, today they were important even if they'd have gotten a field goal there mm -hmm. because it would have, you know, at least it would have still, uh, we would have still won the football game. But when you could double dip, that's huge. Leon, your assessment of the offensive line today? I think the offensive line played outstanding in the pass, in pass protection, because, I listen, that's a hostile environment there. You got, most of the time you're probably in solid count. If you're not watching, you, you, you see Sheriff. He's looking back at Trevor, and then when Trevor gives the nod or the foot, whatever, he's touching the center and letting them know what count to go on. So when they're doing that kind of stuff, it's either a one count, two count, or three count. So the offensive line already knows that in the silent count when it's going to go, 1,000, 1,002 snap. So for them to play the way they play in that hostile environment with all that noise, doing silent count, and give up no sacks in the game, oh, it's outstanding. Now, now, now I would be – I wouldn't be an offensive lineman if I say they struggled in the run, especially interiorly. They got whipped pretty good interiorly in the run. But the Tennessee Titans got a talented uh, front four that gets out of the quarterback pretty good. They ran truest. They ran stunts. They brought five-man blitz, six-man blitz, and they still picked it up. So the backs did an outstanding job, too, at picking up on the blitzes. And the offensive line did a hell of a job in protecting Trevor Lawrence. I, for the most part, I don't even think Trevor got hit the mass majority of the time. And Trevor did a good job yes. being able to move yes. and maneuver himself in the pocket. You know, to slide out the left, slide right, move out the pocket to make those throws. So he helped the offensive line as well, not being constricted just to, to the pocket, but able to move and maneuver out of the pocket to make plays. So it's much more aware. Yeah. That's where yes. Trevor is getting yes. better is, is awareness of what's around him. Mm -hmm. They ran 67 plays, 42 uh, passes, 25 rushes. But the fact that they ran or had 67 offensive snaps, that's a lot of offensive snaps. In a football game, six four one ten ten is the phone number. Phone lines are loaded. Let's go to the south side. Let's get Frank in here on the fifth quarter on ten ten XL. Frank, go ahead. Hey, I just want to say to all the Trevor haters. Frank, appreciate the phone call. Boy, I'll tell you, Frank, uh, the Jaguar fans fired up, and, and Dave with good right to be. Nine years since they last won a game in Nashville. It's a big night for Jaguar fans. Absolutely. Uh, I promise you. 641-1010 is the phone number. Let's go to the state of New Jersey. Let's get Mike in here on 1010XL. Mike, go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call, Hack, Coach, and Leon. Um, three things. Uh, thanks for what you guys do, obviously. Two is I went to my buddy's house, who is a Titans fan, 
So Duval for Corey. <laughs> and three, um, what do we do with Evan Ingram next year? Uh, I love him. I think he's been great uh, for us. I hear all the bad stuff about him. But uh, what's your take? And I'll take your comments off the air. Thanks again, guys. I, Bye. Mike, appreciate it. I resign him at all costs. Now, again, I say all costs. I don't know if I put a franchise tag on him. I hope it doesn't come to that. But I want Calvin Ridley in this offense next year with Christian Kirk, with Zay Jones, with Travis Etienne, and Leon. I want Evan Ingram in that offense too. So I think, to me, your top priority for free agents to be, I thought it was Dewan Smoot, and he's still a very high priority, but I want Evan Ingram back with this offense. Well, I mean – you're going to probably have to ask him for a hometown discount, to be quite honest with you. But he's got to also remember that he's, his career has been rebirthed with us. I mean, it's almost like he owes us one, so yeah. to say. You right. know what I'm saying? Because That's a good just, one. You know, he's a, it never happens like that, Coach. But, <laughs> but, but a former first-rounder who struggled up in New York, comes here, gets rebirthed, has a good season, is definitely a part of the offense. And he's young and up and coming, so – We'll see, because if he hits the market, he's going to be gone. To that point, though, Trevor Lawrence, look, guys want to play with the up-and-coming guy, right? I mean, this might become, I won't say a destination for free agents, because obviously dollars need to make sense, but the fact that you have Trevor Lawrence here and you see what he's doing for a Zay Jones, you see what he's doing for an Evan Ingram, I would think, Coach, that's got to be awful enticing to want to stick around to stay with Trevor Lawrence. Well, a lot of it is is getting comfortable with a guy that's doing the throwing and the thrower getting comfortable with the guys that are doing the catching. That's a huge part of the whole thing. And so for, for me, uh, he's a guy that, that is really starting to come on with the, guy, with, the, with the offense. He's got to feel good about what he's doing. I, I think he's he, – mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll give us a hometown discount. He may give us a couple of bucks. We'll see. Well, well, I know who his agent is. He, he's not with hometown. Yeah. Oh, see a Drew Rosenhaus guy? Oh, there oh, it nice. is. Um, <laughs> has Evan Ingram done enough, in your opinion, to do a long-term deal here? Do you want him here long-term? Uh, uh, you, you, I mean, he had outstanding games. We might be prisoners on the moment a little bit. I need to see a little bit more of that down the stretch. If we can get a little bit more of that down the stretch, he's young, up and coming. Like Coach says, he's familiar with Trevor. They've got a relationship, especially today. I would love to keep him around, but maybe not. He's not going. He's not going to get the high end. He's not going to get the high end salary like a Kelsey. Oh, of course like not. That. No. Oh, he's not asking for anything. I, like I think that. you look at like what Gerald Everett got with the Chargers. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, yeah that's you know, a guy like that, yeah. middle of the pack, maybe a top middle of the pack <laughs> tight end. Go. There you go. You're not going to have to pay him gigantic money, but he is going to want to get paid. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Quickly, we're on the topic. Dewan Smoot's a free agent. I mean, I want him back too. Who's a bigger priority, Dewan Smoot or Evan Ingram? I, you know, I'd have to say Evan Ingram. And, yeah. and the reason for it is, uh, you know, uh, Smoot's a, a role player. Evan Ingram's in there almost every play. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of guys that can put the ball in the end zone if you're going to pay money. Yep. You know, I want guys that are going to score points for me. Now, you know, again, if it was a corner that was, uh, you know, a, a Ramsey, if he, if he was a good character or whatever – that's the guy that, you know, I want. I want guys like that. Six four one ten ten is the phone number. Let's go out to the beach. Let's get Gary in here on 1010XL. Gary, what do you got? What's up, fellas? Duval! <laughs> yes, sir, Gary. What's on your mind tonight, man? Man, just what a – so you're saying there's a chance. 
you know, Trevor just having no practice all week and the toe issue, and the man just came out and balled today. Uh, you know, heads up to him, and heads up to that coaching staff, offensive coaching staff. Uh, didn't really have a whole lot in that running game, but he was slinging it through. He was throwing dimes all damn day today. Uh, also, another thing, uh, the defense, man, you know, obviously we all know the, the issues with the defense, but they've been uh, heads up to Dewey again. Why do we keep saying Dewey again, man, stepping up and making some big plays? We bend. We didn't break. Uh, those three turnovers, man, because they were driving to score uh, every time we, we, we got a turnover. So, man, just hats up, man. This is just a great, man. I, I just can't. I just. We got a good team, man. We just need to keep winning, man. Duval! Hey, Gary, thank you for the phone mm. call. That is a great point, though. Uh, as we're, uh, if, again, if you're on the line, we'll get to you. We got a top of the hour coming up here, but. Quickly on the fact that Trevor did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday and still had a game like that today, it's pretty good, man, right? I mean, they missed a couple of days of practice and still come out and play like that. It's called trust. Coaching staff, I mean, look, Trevor, second year in the league. I mean, usually that's, that's, that's left for guys who've played at least five established guys. So uh, there's got to be some kind of profound trust with him and, uh, and Peterson to where he does something like that because old school days and old school days if you didn't practice you ain't play Uh, even if you were a quarterback in some situations so you know Doug Peterson has to have that kind of confidence that Trevor mentally was going to be prepared to play on Sunday one hour down one hour to go perfect rack billiards is our location on Edgewood in Murray Hill come on out and say hello we're out here until eight o'clock tonight it is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics with Dave Campo and Leon Searcy. The hacker Ryan Green with you. A 36-22 win for the Jacksonville Jaguars over the Tennessee Titans. More to do. Glad you're with us here on the fifth quarter. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. No world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill, presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Trevor keeps it on his own read, tries to get to the corner, dies for the end zone touchdown, a one-yard touchdown run. Frank Frangi on the call, Jaguars Radio. That was the opening drive of the third quarter and what a drive it was as Trevor Lawrence ran it in from one yard out every week here on the fifth quarter we do give you a drive of the game that drive of the game is brought to you by tire outlet Denmark let's do it now the tire outlet drive of the game now the tire outlet drive of the game tire outlet wholesale prices premium service All right, Coach, 12 plays, 72 yards, seven minutes off the clock. You get a touchdown at the end of the first half. You do that drive to start the third quarter. What a drive it was. And Doug Peterson's mastered that, man, coming out of that locker room, making the adjustments. The third quarter, they have done that numerous times this year. Yeah, no question. And I think that's one of the things that have shown up quite a bit, as you said. You know, they've done that in in – a few ballgums of being able to double dip, as we talked about earlier. And remember, they, we talked about the fact that they got the holding penalty on the on the kickoff. 
which would have been a touchdown, mm -hmm. which was a phantom phantom uh, call. But uh, number 68, uh, Sheriff had a – that's Sheriff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Sheriff had a holding penalty in that drive as, as well. He had a rough drive on that. Yeah, yeah he had and, a rough rough time of it there. Yeah, and and they overca overcame it. So, uh, you know, that that's a big-time drive. Plus, it used up a lot of the clock. Leon, how much can be done at halftime? I, I read a story. It's so funny. You know, fans at halftime, fans, media, like, go to, you know, to the restroom area. You go get a drink. You go to the fridge. Take the dogs out. You got 13 minutes. And really, you don't even have 13 minutes, right? You got three minutes to walk back to the locker room. You're probably in there for six or seven minutes. And then you got to come back out and start your warm-ups again. So what is going on in the halftime locker room? Why has Jacksonville time and time well, again this year been able to do that to start the third quarter? Well, I'm going to tell you what goes on in the halftime locker room. First of all, positionally, you get together. Offensive line coach comes over to you, talks to you, this, this, and that, whatever you, you make. You, 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 the coach tells you, you have to, you're, having a, you're doing a good job or a bad job, right? And then you meet with the offensive line coach, secondary coach. I'll speak about two or three minutes. Then the coordinator pulls you in. Has a little whiteboard in front of you, drawing up some kind of stuff. This is where they're hurting us. This is where we're hurting them. Let's pick this, you know, do better on this, do better on that. And then the coach comes in there, brings everybody together, and they talk about, hey, you're doing well or you're doing poorly. And then, hey, let's, let's jumpstart this. We got, we got the ball. Let's take it down. Let's score a touchdown. That's it. That's what I usually have. I've always been fascinated, Coach. The halftime in the NFL is unbelievably short. You know, we get so used to how fast you have to do things during that period of time. You know, it's so different from college, you know, and the pros. Uh, one of the Super Bowl years, the first one, 92, uh, we were so used to having the 12-minute halftime. We were done in 12 minutes. The, the halftime show at the Super Bowl was was 30 minutes long or whatever. I spent uh, th three quarters of it standing right there when uh, Michael, uh, Jackson. Jackson. Michael Jackson dancing right next to me. Oh, in the Rose Bowl, already. right? Yeah. yeah, in the Rose Bowl. The Leon Lett game. Yeah, you know, the, the biggest thing that happens in halftime in my mind is that the coaches immediately get together while the players are going to the restroom and getting, you know, getting mm -hmm. situated and whatever. And they're doing a great job, in my opinion, especially offensively, of meeting of the minds in that first four or five minutes, whatever they're doing. You know, they've got everything charted. They're looking at what's going good, what's not going good. What are they doing? You know, they do a great job of doing that with this group. That's why I think it's a good coaching staff. Six four one ten ten is the phone number. Boy, we've been all over the U.S. We've been to Alabama. We've been to New Jersey. We've been to New York. Now let's go to Illinois. We, we have Garrett from the state of Illinois here on 1010XL. Garrett, go ahead. What's up, guys? How's it going? Garrett, uh, how are I you, man? Every month. I'm great. I listen every Monday on uh, Spotify, like on the podcast network. Um, the one thing that I would like to ask today, um, we are very fickle on the defense when they, you know, give up all those punt return, excuse me, like all of the uh, basically – so I am nervous here. My sorry, Beth. I'm nervous. Uh, too, I'm nervous for you, Garrett. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Um, basically, what I want to say is, when we had the lead today, the defense pinned their ears back. They were thumping guys. Um, I think a lot of what Mike Williams wants to do was proved in the second half today because we had the lead. Um, Trayvon Walker had that monster strip sack. Just want to know your guys' thoughts. Thanks, guys. Garrett, appreciate it. I thought you did a great job calling any time from the state 
of Illinois. Yeah, I mean, look, our job, it's so funny. (laughs) I get people telling me all the time, and I've done this for 20 years, so I get it pretty regularly. Oh, your tone is way different now than what it was five weeks ago. Well, no kidding. We react to things, right? This is a post-game show from what happened three hours ago. Last week in Detroit was an utter embarrassment. The defense was awful. Mm -hmm. So we reacted to that. Last week on the fifth quarter, I did on Hacker After Dark. You did on XL Primetime. Coaches everywhere. He did on both shows. Now it's a completely different scenario. We're reacting to what happened today. And today, Coach, was a heck of a lot better. Yeah, and there's no question about it. And, you know, I think we try to be – you know, factual about the whole thing. I, I mean, I, I, like I said earlier, I still have concerns about the defense. You know, our offense is going to have to score points to win games going down mm-hmm. the stretch because we're not there yet on defense. And I'm not sure we will be before the end of the year with the group that we have. I think a lot's going to be determined by what happens in the offseason with free agency and, and the draft. Now, does that mean that we can't play good defense at certain periods of time? Absolutely not. We can do that. You know, I mean, uh, we made good plays today. We turned the ball over. We, there were a couple drives in the second half. They were three and out, three and out. That's good. You know, the more you give an opportunity, and we pinned our ears back a lot more when we had the lead today. That's one of the things that, you know, we have to have is a little bit of a lead offensively so that our defense can get going. And, and heck, the truth of the matter is that Ty- Tennessee Titans' offensive line really isn't that good, especially on the left side. Last week when we played the Lions, the Lions have a formidable offensive line. They're pretty solid from tackle to tackle. Now, next week when we play the Cowboys, Cowboys got a good offensive line. So we, hopefully we're not sitting here next week saying the same thing. Can't get any pressure. Can't stop the run. All that kind of stuff. So you, we got to make the most of what we have right now today. We did an outstanding job defensively getting after the quarterback, getting pressures, causing turnovers and that kind of stuff. The defense is still a work in progress. They still got a lot of stuff they got to work on. Coach was talking about breakdown on coverage. The, the, when we play in zone, being able to pass on guys or run with guys. Still got to work on the pass rush. So we did better in some areas, but we still got work to do if we're going to win these, got to win out these next four games. And let's be honest. Odds are Tennessee is going to win the division. They're up two with four to go. Odds are they're going to win it. And if they do, they're a terrible division champion. Terrible. The, the top wild card, whoever that's going to be in the AFC, Baltimore, Miami, whomever, they're going to destroy Tennessee, right, on wild card weekend. I mean, even though Tennessee's going to win the division more than likely, I think their true colors are beginning to be shown. They have injury problems. Philadelphia beat them just senseless last week. You saw what Jacksonville did to them today. That is not a good division leader right now. No, and, I, and, and again, uh, you know, everybody, uh, there's a lot of complaints about, about the way that the playoff system is with, you know, home field advantage and all that stuff with, with division winners. I mean, look what's happening to the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today yeah. by the San Francisco. What are they getting, Coach? You, you know, they're, they're, they're getting what? Boat, boat raced. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and when, you, uh, when you're in a division like that, you know, they don't have very good division. The, the, what is that? The NFC, NFC South. South, yeah. You know, uh, but at the same time, I believe the division, there should be the champion of that division should have – have uh, be in the playoffs, be a, a seed, you know, a top top four. Have seed. a home game. Yeah, have a home game. Yeah, but you know, my I'm, the thing I'm excited about is I don't see a quarterback 
in the rest of the division. Oh, it's not even forward, close. Trevor, Trevor's up in the Empire State Building. Yeah. And the other three quarterbacks are down on ground level, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe Tannehill might be on the second floor, but it's not even close. Right. We on the four quarterbacks in the AFC South moving forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Trevor's at the top, especially the way he's been developing. He's, what, he's on the uh, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions? Yeah. Over the last, what, four or five games? Four or games? five games. Man, come on now. I mean, I, I don't want to look ahead to next year, but the Tennessee Titans' uh, reign of terror as far as the AFC South goes, I guarantee you, like you were saying off the air, I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of publications going to probably have the Jacksonville Jaguars sit at the top of the mountain come next year. But even though we got four games to go. Oh, yeah, four we're not games out, to go. Four. But I'm just saying, the gap between the two of us has now shrunk a lot. There's no question. Oh, yeah, when all those preseason publications in May, June, July come out, I think a lot of people will pick the Jaguars to win the AFC South. 6-4-1-10-10. To the north side we go. Let's get Michael in here on the fifth quarter. Michael, what do you got? What's up, fellas? Michael, how are you, man? Pretty good. You know what's funny with the party in the parachute, so give me a shot here. Oh, on the fourth yes. day of Christmas, Doug Peterson gave to me four turnovers, three passing touchdowns, two Ingram scores, and a win in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. That was amazing. Denmark saved that. That was absolutely amazing. <laughs> Yeah, Michael, well done. Six four one ten ten is the phone number. It is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. We're presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics, and we're live. Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill on Edgewood. We're out here until 8 o'clock tonight. More of your phone calls to come. We'll give you a special teams player of the game. We'll update you on the late games. We'll take a look, maybe a brief look, at the playoff picture. Jaguars are still involved. On December 11th, that hasn't been the case for the last few years. And the Dallas Cowboys roll in. Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. What are coaches' emotions going into next Sunday? A lot more to do. Glad you're with us. Fifth quarter rolls on. 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Putting an extra 60 minutes on the clock. The window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. Live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill. Presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Tannehill drops. Looks. He's hit from behind and sacked by Trayvon Walker and the ball came out. The ball came out. Let's see who jumped on top of it at the 20-yard line. And the Jags have it. Trayvon Walker sacked him and knocked it out of there. And Jacksonville recovers at the 20-yard line of the Tennessee Titans. Frank Frangie on the call. Jaguars radio. Trayvon Walker. That was a uh, heck of a play by the rookie, Leon. He obliterated the left tackle. And then he obliterated Ryan Tannehill (laughs) causing the fumble. That was a heck of a hit. Well, I don't know what obliterated. It was a pretty good <laughs> hit. No, 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 I'm going to tell you, because that's called area protection, which means the tight end is, stays in and the tackle comes out. And when he, t- he lets the tight end go, let go, he can go. But the tackle was in no position to block on him coming around the edge, and that's why he gave up the sack. All right, maybe not obliterated, Coach. Here's what I know. When a six foot five, 275-pound defensive end – Knocks the ever living <clears throat> out of my starting quarterback. We call it an obliteration or whatever it you was want. A, Trayvon you. Walker won that play. He did. Yeah, and, and you know what? You see that quite a bit when, when you try to have to block. You know, if you've got one that you need to, to double up, 
sometimes that hurts you because, you know, especially with a tight end, sometimes a tight end gets the guy into a position where the tackle's not right. Leon, where yeah, the tackle's absolutely. not quite sure, exactly. you know, where his drop point is and stuff like that. And that's kind of what happened. He kind of knocked, you know, uh, Walker off the path a little bit, and then he accelerated around him. He yeah, wasn't the, really ready for Well, the him. tackle was short on this slide. Yes. On right. this slide, absolutely. Right, right. Coach, you mentioned Tyson Campbell earlier. The untrained eye, the one that I had, seemed like he had a really good game. Your he, thoughts? He had a good game. He pressed almost the whole game. But you got to remember now, that's one of the things that I've said all week last week is that this receiver core is not the receiver core that, that he just faced from the Detroit Lions. You know, they, 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 he, he handled himself well today. But the one thing I liked the best was that at the, at the catch point, he was able to get himself turned and up to the football on two of them, you know, two fades. And, and you know, that's a plus. A lot of times he's just looking at the receiver and trying to play the hands uh, like Herndon did on the last touchdown they had in the end zone. He was trying to play the hands. He was out of position, but he was in good position today. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we give you a special teams player of the game. That special teams player of the game is brought to you by the McKeever Clinic. Denmark, let's do it now. The McKeever Clinic special teams player of the game. Now, the special teams player of the game. Brought to you by the urological specialist of McKeever Clinic. After missing those couple of field goals at Arrowhead, kind of wondered what Riley Patterson's future might be yeah he's been outstanding since the bye week Mm -hmm. outstanding three for three on field goals today nailed both of his extra points again there were some kickoff issues one of them that went out of bounds was his fault the other one I think they were trying to get cute and lob it down to like the 30 yard line like a pitching wedge to try to recover what would have essentially been a long onside kick so people are going to see it two kickoffs out of bounds again I don't know I, I think one's his fault coach the other one wasn't but, again, Riley Patterson, three for three on field goals, two for two on extra points. You can't do any better than that. Nope. He's done fine. And uh, all of them were big kicks in my mind. You know, you got to make those kicks, especially when you've had a good drive and, and you get mm-hmm. stalled up. You know, the, you, you got to get points. And uh, I thought he did a nice job. Leon, as an offense, when you're driving down the field, you get inside the opponent's, say, 30-yard line, and you know your kicker is almost automatic from that point forward. Is there a sense of, I won't say relief, obviously, but I would think from an offensive point of view, it's good to know you have a quality kicker on the sideline as opposed to what the Jaguars had last year, not knowing what the heck was going to happen when the kicker went out there. Yeah, I mean, as an offense, you're always often frustrated when you get inside near the red zone and you don't score touchdowns. But knowing that you're going to come away with points – then it's awfully a little bit more relieving knowing that you got a solid place kicker back there that's going to give you three. It also opens up the playbook. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, on third down, uh, you know, or even first and second down, you know, are you you in position? Let's try to catch them thinking we're going to throw the ball, we're going to run it, because if we don't make it, you kick the field goal. Mm -hmm. Back to the phone lines we go at 641-1010. Let's go to Melbourne. Let's get Steve in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. Steve, what's going on? Duval! Oh, man, I'm happy. And first, you should be happy. They listened to you during the week. Trayvon, on that uh, sack fumble, he one-armed the tight end. He listened. And the Jaguars were the bullies today. They were laying the wood on people, if you remember that old cool term right there. Jack Cordland laid the wood on Derrick Henry. 
Dewey Wiener laid the wood on the woods, which is actually kind of ironic. Uh, but I don't want them to just win next week to stay in the hunt, per se. Campo, he's, he's probably an old friend of yours. I just want them to make Skip Bayless depressed the next day on his show. I just want him to be depressed, sad, making excuses. That'll make the end of my year better. But I, I, I was going to ask Campo a question about Tyson, but he kind of answered it. I saw him up near the line most of the game. The other two corners were playing off. So I, I love seeing the uh, the work that Tyson's probably putting in. He seems like he's improving each game. I know last week was just everybody played awful. But I, I love to see the improvement out of him because this was about the same time last year he started showing signs of improvement. Hey, Steve, thank you for the phone call. Just, just for the record, Skip Bayless is the only media guy that, that does Dallas that I don't like. <laughs> hey, you know what? That Dallas-Jacksonville game next week will have some national attention. All right, let's get, let's get into it, Coach, briefly. We'll do more of this uh, throughout the week with you. Former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Dave Campo. But you live here in Jacksonville now. You're a big part of 1010XL. Uh, kind of what are your feelings going into next Sunday? Well, first of all, uh, you know, not only was I head coach there, but I was there for 18 years. So obviously, you know, as far as, you know, the life I live right now, that was a big part of it. So I have loyalty to them, except I'm a Jaguar fan now. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I was with the Jaguars, so it's not like I'm, uh, you know, a fair weather fan or whatever. I I want this community. I live in this community. I'm a Jaguar fan, so in this ball game, I'm rooting for the Jaguars. Believe me. Leon, I was coming back from Orlando this morning. I ran into a, a Cowboy fan at the hotel, and I was explaining to him I'm doing a post game show with Dave Campo. And oh man, I just heard about how great Coach was for five minutes. It was honored me knowing Coach, just hearing how great Coach Campo was. So there's still a lot of love for you from some Dallas Cowboy well, fans. Well, the funny thing was when I, you know. There wasn't a lot of love when I went 5'11", 5'11", and 5'11". There was a lot of bags over the heads in the stands. But when I came back as assistant head coach, secondary coach, all the bags were off. They loved me again. They loved me as an assistant coach. Leon, there's no question that Dallas Cowboy defense is pretty good. And they got a stud in Micah Parsons that you're going to have to figure out something to do with next Sunday. Well, yeah. I mean, offensively, you've got to – when I, when I talk about the Jaguars, that they don't have anybody on their team that you've got a game plan against, Cowboys don't have that problem. They do. Michael Parson, you've got to neutralize him, all right? He is a game wrecker. No matter where you put him, you put him on the right side, you put him on the left side, you can put him at linebacker. Wherever he is, he is a disruptor. And that's what I mean by the offensive coordinator is telling you that you've got to neutralize this guy or he's going to wreck the game. So, Offensively, collectively, you've got to figure out ways to keep him off balance, to keep him neutralized, and to keep him blocked because he can change the game with a rush, with a sack, with the interception, with a strip fumble, with a tackle for loss. Wherever it is, this kid has got it. Do you mentally prepare as a player? Maybe you don't. Maybe this is me overthinking, and I'm curious. Dallas hasn't been to Jacksonville in a long time. Because the last time they were supposed to be here, the game was in London. So I want to say, it might, is it 16 years? They only play every four years. I know we whipped their butt down here the last time I was, when I was here. Yeah, I think it might have been T.O. and the fellas, like in 2006, 
maybe 2006, 2007. It's been a long well, time. Well, that's when I was, you know, five through seven. We got them here. Yeah. We shut them out, as a matter of fact. But having said that, we know how Dallas travels. We know Dallas hasn't been here in forever. There are going to be a lot of Cowboy fans in that stadium oh. on Sunday. Oh, at least half. A lot. <laughs> at you, least half. As a player on the Jaguars, will you even bother yourself with that, knowing you're at home? But it may not be the best home field on Sunday. Well, I mean, listen, it's always troublesome when the opposing team outnumbers the home team. All right? So, I mean, you just want, you just want the Jaguar fans to represent when they come there. Whoever's got tickets, come to the game. You got, it's got to be as loud as – first of all, Cowboys travel well. But you've got to make it loud for the Cowboys when they've got the ball. You've got to have – they've got to be disrupted somewhere. I mean, because we've got the home field advantage. So the fans got to be a part of that. Yeah, Denmark just looked it up. The Jaguars won in 2006. I want to say the game in 2010 was in Dallas. 2014 was supposed to be here, so it was in London. <clears throat> and I think the Jaguars went out there in 2018. Has it really been since 2006 since the Dallas Cowboys came here? That is insane, if that's true. I'll try to get verification on that in a moment. Six four one ten ten is the phone number. Let's go to the state of Arkansas. Let's get Ken in here on 1010XL. Ken, go ahead. Good evening, Hack, Coach, uh, Leon. You know, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I, did not, I didn't think the Jags were going to win this game. And, of course, here being here in Arkansas, so close to Tennessee, I've been catching it all week about, oh, how bad the kitty cats are going to get whooped this weekend and everything. And now I can't get any of them haters on text message. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm awfully proud of, of how this team came back after absolutely being decimated by the Lions last week. I mean, they, uh, they, they came back and they gave it, they gave it everything they had. And I'm extremely proud of them. And, um, uh, you know what, let's just go next week here and let's see if we can get another win against the Cowboys and just keep this thing going, guys. Thank you very much. Best show. You guys are the best show there is. Never oh, miss a thank you, Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate it, man. It. Appreciate thank it. you very Appreciate much. It. And, yeah, look, Appreciate it. I imagine um, a guy that lives that close to Tennessee, we talked about what Doug Peterson did. You know, and, and I don't know, Coach, you tell me. That seems more like a college rah-rah type thing. But when you play five minutes, they talked about this on the broadcast, you make a five-minute loop of the Titans over the years calling the Jaguars their little brother in the AFC South. I mean, obviously there appeared to be some emotion on the Jaguar sideline. Do professionals like college kids? Does that fire them up in your opinion? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the clip he showed of, of we, we did all that stuff all the time. I don't know about uh, you, Leon, and mm-hmm. with Pittsburgh or whatever, but, you know, every, everywhere I ever uh, coached, whether it was pros, college, whatever it is, we showed clips of a lot of stuff. Right. You know, uh, we showed clips of, of, for the defensive guys of, of animals over in Africa attacking other animals and, and, <laughs> and chewing them up. And, I mean, it was crazy. And, and uh, I guess Doug showed one where I can't remember who it was that knocked. Somebody you know, knocked Muhammad Ali Muhammad down. Ali down yeah. you know, and it's not the idea of, you know, it's when you get up. You got to get That's back up. That's the key. And so, you know, I think it. I think they react to stuff like that. I know our guys on defense would go wild the night before the game when we watched a a, a crazy bunch of people or uh, animals going after everybody. Hey, whatever works, man. And Leon, to the coach's <clears throat> point, 
obviously there were some tempers at the end of the game. Trevor waving bye to the Titan fans. Um, Jaguars had a little attitude to them today, a little moxie to them they, today. They, they this was, was important to them. They were, they were spirited. You know, they were spirited. And you, would, you would think that some of the team, some of the players on the team listen to 1010 and Sports Talk Radio. Well, of course they do. Of course they do. We're because, huge over there. Yeah, well, of course. And then what, I said, what I said last week was <laughs> – I didn't think that. I think I was saying that the Titans, when they see the Jaguars on their schedule, especially at home, uh, they chalk that up as an automatic win because they've won for so long. And I think, for the most part, the, the Titans have won in the physical battles in those games to the point where I felt that the Jaguars were considered by the Titans as soft with a capital T. Yeah. So maybe they heard that. Maybe they were challenged by that. Hey, man. I would like to say they had something. To, I had something to do with that. I'm sure you toughness. did, Leon. I promise Call you. It, calling them yeah, soft. Yeah, an old veteran back from, you know, <laughs> from, the, from the dead. Hey, let's get one more call in here. By the way, 2006. That's amazing. Wow. Last time the Dallas Cowboys were here. Wow. 2006. Let's go to Chris and Yuli here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. Chris, go ahead. Hey, Hack, thanks for taking my call. Um, uh, first thing, I want to give a good congratulations and maybe the game ball to Frank Frangi for calling his first win in Tennessee since he took over the play-by-play calls. And it's wow. so much fun to listen to him the way he calls a game more win. And I didn't catch who y'all uh, made a play, uh, offensive player of the game. Uh, I know Evan Ingram had a great one, but when Trevor plays that way, my offensive player of the game, every time he plays that way, is Frank Gore. I don't care if he's on our team or not. If that man, if he ran for mayor, sorry, Lenny, I'm voting for the hurricane. And um, December 22nd, that's Frank Gore Day here. I, um, what I liked about Trevor's um, performance wasn't so much the stats. It was getting in position to score after a turnover. Because if you don't score after a turnover, I mean, what have you really accomplished besides taking uh, you know, time off the clock? And again, December 22nd, Frank Gore Day. I was going to smoke a cigar. After today's win, I might be smoking something a little funny. Thanks, guys. How about that? Well, all right, Chris over in Uly. And look, he ain't lying. I mean, Frank Gore beating the Rams with the Jets two years ago is the reason why Trevor Lawrence is a Jacksonville Jaguar. All right, we'll come back. We'll put a wrap on it. It's the Window World of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics live. Perfect Rack Billiards, Murray Hill on Edgewood. We'll take another look ahead. Dallas next week. It's going to be a national game. It's going to get a lot of national attention with the Cowboys. First time they've been in Jacksonville since 2006. That is hard to believe. We'll preview it next as the fifth quarter rolls on. 1010XL, 92.5 FM. This is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. Live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill. Presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Final segment, fifth quarter, 1010XL, 92.5 FM. A day that saw the Jaguars for the first time in 3,000. 318 days. It was November 10th of 2013 since Jacksonville had won a game in Nashville. That streak is over as Jacksonville behind 368 passing yards from Trevor Lawrence and three passing touchdowns. He also added one on the ground for four total defeats the Tennessee Titans. All right, Leon Searcy, you are the master of positivity. Tonight is certainly a night to be positive. 
But it's perspective, right? Seven days ago, we sat in this very venue of Perfect Rack Billiards. Mm -hmm. The Jaguars were embarrassed. Here we are tonight. We're all on cloud nine. It's a week-to-week league. Got a big one next week against the Dallas Cowboys. Well, what, what you're hoping for moving forward the next four weeks is that you don't want any major setback to lose your identity. Last week against the Detroit Lions, uh, you want to think that was a blip because this team has been virtually competitive in every game that they played in. And I agree with what Coach was saying. We may, we're going to be good enough to play in each and one of these games. We're probably not good enough to win all these games, but I think that we're going to win a few. A few is two games. I think that the Jaguars have the possibility, the capabilities within these next four weeks to win at least two out, and that'll make them seven and ten or something like that. Or they could win out. But as long as you play the way that you played a couple of hours ago, you're going to be competitive going into the fourth quarter. Then it'll be up to you to decide on how bad you want it and how you're going to get it. Coach, you know my mind said after they lost to Denver in London, to me it was all about Trevor Lawrence from that point forward. How is Trevor going to look over the last seven or eight games? So far he's looked very good. Wins and losses didn't matter. They beat Dallas next week. That may change a little bit. I don't know if they're going to beat Dallas. You obviously know a ton about the Jaguars. If there's another team you know a ton about, it's obviously the Dallas Cowboys. Your early thoughts on that matchup next Sunday? Well, I think it's going to be a really tough ball game, you know. And, and uh, you know, the funny thing about it is that every game in this league's a tough ball game. You know, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you see uh, top teams getting knocked off every week by somebody. In fact, the, uh, the Texans almost did it to the Cowboys today. Took a 90-yard drive and to, to win it with 40 seconds left. So anything is possible. The, the, the problem that I have with the Cowboys is that not only do they have a Parsons, but they have a Lawrence on the other side, and they got an Alexander on the inside. So they've got more than one guy that you have to focus on. When you look at the offense, not only do they have, have – uh, uh, Gallup. Yeah, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb that got Gallup on the other side. You know, so Zeke you, Elliott and Tony Pollard. And then Pollard. you got Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. Now, I like Doc, Dak Prescott. I think he's a winner. I think he's one of those guys that can win it in the fourth quarter. I think we're going to be in a fourth quarter ball game, in my opinion, which I think every game the rest of the way we're going to be in a fourth quarter ball game. So, my my happiness is that the the, the quarterback is improving. And I believe we're going to be in the ball game. Let's see what happens. I'm never going to tell anybody how to spend your money. Do whatever you want with it. It's your money. But I will say this. There's no doubt there's going to be a ton of Dallas fans at the stadium on Sunday. As we said earlier, it's been 16 years since Dallas has come to Jacksonville. So there will be a ton of Cowboy fans. Having said that, I do hope Jacksonville's fans show up. Represent. This is the first home game in December. Even though it's far-fetched, you're two out with four to go. But you're still alive in December for the first time in five years. Arguably, it's the biggest home game since the Patriots game at the very beginning of 2018. Leon, translation, it's a big deal on Sunday. It is. It's a huge deal on Sunday because, like you said, we're we're in it, sort of say, in the month of December, which we haven't been in for the last five years, as you said. And, And the fact that, you know, no disrespect, Coach. Cowboy fans are annoying as hell. <laughs> they are. They are. When they win, it just this is annoying. I, You're right. That's why. That's why I want. That's why I want the, the Jaguar fan base to show up on Sunday. 
show up on Sunday because, like you said, this may be as big a home game as the Jaguars had in a very, very long time. I just want to make sure Duval is well represented when, when we play them on Sunday. I've seen a lot of stinkers with the Cowboys now when they're pretty good. You know, they haven't been to the – they haven't, haven't won a, a playoff game since I was back there five or six years ago, 80 years ago. It's a long time. You know, mm-hmm. and they haven't been to the Super Bowl since Super Bowl 30, the last time I was there. They have they're, – they're beatable. It's just, uh, you know, you hope that your, your team represents and you hope that the fans represent because this is a big football game, and, and that's what's fun about this game. He is the head coach, Dave Campo. Coach, always appreciate your perspective. We'll do it tomorrow night. A little Monday night coaching with Campo on Hacker After Dark. Very good. Thanks, guys. Love it. That's our head coach, our Pro Bowler, Leon Searcy. You get him every day on XL Primetime. Leon, you and I will talk later in the week on Hacker After Dark. You got it. For the Pro Bowler, Leon Searcy, the head coach, Dave Campo. Graham Marsh is our on-site engineer. And Dylan Denmark was your producer back at 1010XL World Headquarters. I'm the Hacker, Ryan Green. This has been the Window World of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. We've been presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics. As always, thank you to Perfect Rack Billiards on Edgewood and Murray Hill, our home away from home for the fifth quarter every Sunday on 1010XL. Jeff Prosser will kick it off tomorrow, and we'll have 16 hours of local programming on a victory Monday. I'll talk to you tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on Hacker After Dark. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.